Welcome to Pot to Popular, a podcast where we interview the media, marketers, and moguls who are mainstream in cannabis. Join along as we learn from the greatest minds in this industry and learn about how cannabis is becoming part of popular culture, health, wellness, and industry. Welcome to today's episode of Pot to Popular. I'm your host, Rosie Maddio. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. I always say that one of the best parts of this industry is just the people I've met and the relationships that I've built. And they're just some really exciting and cool people in the space that um, I would not have gotten to know if it was not for this industry. But that's a long way of saying I'm very excited to have Jason Spadafora today, aka the Wolf of Weed Street. Jason is one of the most influential investors in the cannabis space. Um, Very, very large following on Twitter and people really listen to his perspective and his honest way about speaking about the cannabis stock. So Jason's going to join us today, talk a little bit about how he got into the industry, his perspective on the public markets and where he thinks the industry is going. So please welcome a good friend of mine and also a Star Wars enthusiast um, like I am, Mr. Jason Spadafora. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for having me, Rosie. By the way, we just talked about this amazing script. I love it. Um, So I want to just hop into it and talk a little bit about your background. So I will say you're one of the most influential voices in the investment community. Can you walk my listeners through your background and how you found your way into the cannabis space? I want to hear, you know, the founding story of you. Sure. Uh, The origin story. It, It started out real simple. I'd always been really interested in the market. You know, it was something that when I was in high school, I thought that I would do. Um, and then, you know, as I got to college, it was like, all right, you got to do this. You got to do that. I was like, I'm never going to pass accounting. I was like, I don't want to go work for an investment bank. Um, but I was always really interested in the market. But, you know, when you're young, you're kind of a cowboy. You spend your money. And then as I started to settle down um, and I met my, my now wife, you know, she was really on me about opening a savings account. I was like, you know what? I've got money. Let me start investing. And with a really simple um, thesis, it's, you know, what's the world going to need in 10 years? And I started doing that. And I started out very, very small. And, you know, I, I started to pick, you know, I had a knack for picking good companies. Um, first company I invested in was a water company. Um, a desalinization company. And, uh, you know, and I started with like 1500 bucks and I'm just like, wow, this thing's up 30%. It's not much of a return, but I started to get into it. I started adding to the account, the more comfortable I felt. And then on August 15th, I still remember the date, um, Eric Holder, who was the then attorney general, um, gave a press conference and he was talking about cannabis and how the Department of Justice was going to let states be states um, so long as they followed these eight guidelines. And I was like, I smoke weed. I was like, you know, <laughs> it, it, it makes good. sense. I was like, you know, the, the drug war has been a complete mess. So I was like, you know, are, are pot stocks a thing? So I went to Google and I typed in pot stocks and it brought me to this really crappy website that had like 10 companies on it. Wait, what year was this again? What year was this? This is 2013. Okay, great, right. So, and that that website was marijuanastocks.com. And so I started looking at the companies and they were all penny stocks. And, you know, one of the companies said, oh, they do payment processing. And I was like, 
you know, this is a good place to start, you know, like the money's got to flow somewhere. So I invested in a company, um, never bought a penny stock in my life. And I only put like 500 bucks into it. But then all of a sudden, two days later, the thing was up 50%. And I was like, wow. I was like, you know, these are the types of returns that I've been looking for. And, and that's kind of like when you're a new investor, um, you don't understand that returns like that are uncommon. And then two days after that, the thing dropped 50%. And I ended up losing 150 bucks, but I was I was I was hooked on the volatility. Um, so I started looking. Uh, I eventually found a company you know that I was I thought was a little bit easier, you know, uh, picks and shovels play as you you know it has been banged into every pot stock investor's head since then. And you know I started small, and uh, you know this is before Colorado went legal, and. While this is going on, I worked for um, one of the biggest disaster recovery firms in the world. Um, so what that means is in like worst case scenarios, they come in, they do the rebuilds, um, they argue with the insurance companies, but this isn't like, like a service master or a serve pro where you see the commercial. These are like right. $100 million projects. Like, you know, the, that company was like the first one into the Pentagon, first one in that like does any airline disaster. And, you know, in between disasters, you didn't have much to do. So right. all I was doing was trying to get as much information on this really new industry. And at the time, there was less than 13 companies that were pot stocks. You know, now you fast forward to today, it's over 350. Wow. Um, and... You know, I went through the course of like trying to figure out what was bullshit and what wasn't. And then, you know, all of a sudden uh, we're getting closer to uh, January 1st, which is when Colorado goes wreck and everything just started to move. Right. Um, and I was home one night because my uh, my fiance at the time. Uh, went out with her friends and I, you know, I'm smoking a joint. I'm just kind of enjoying it. And I see a trailer for Wolf of Wall Street. And I was just kind of laughing. I was like, ha ha Wolf of Weed Street. That'd be a, a clever name. And I'm like, oh, somebody probably has it on Twitter. And nobody did. So I grabbed it and I was like, now I can talk shit about all of these crappy companies and have okay. no repercussions. Like just be a completely anonymous character. And I was doing that and I didn't have much of a following. And then, you know, I, at this time I put in probably a total of 10 grand, um, you know, from the spring of 2013 to December 1st. And, um, you know, it was around this time that my company was like, we're, we're moving the operation in Miami to Orlando. You got to move to Orlando. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm getting married. My wife's here. My wife has an actual career. She has a job that she likes. I was like, I, I'm, I can't do it. So I wasn't too uh, nervous about it. I just figured I'd get, you know, swept up by somebody local. And I got an offer real quickly. And all of a sudden, that 10 grand became 20. And then by January 10th, it became 55. And on that day, one of my friends called me um, from Canada and was like, and I hadn't talked to him in months. And he was like, you need to sell all your pot stocks. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, they're a scam, blah, blah, blah. They're all penny stocks. 
And as I'm talking to him, my 55K is going up and up and up. And it's just going crazy. And he goes, I'm watching all these short positions build up. And I'm like, okay. And I'm still, I'm not sold. So he's like, these things are going to come down. I was like, ah, whatever. I get off the phone with him. My account's at 75,000. I'm like, what does he know? But I was like, you know, I listened to him. Oh, and he says, I got a Bloomberg terminal. And this is how naive I was. I was like, what's a Bloomberg terminal? Oh, God. <laughs> and I get off the phone with him. And I was like, ah, you know what? Let me just tweet this warning, you know? Okay. So I tweet the warning. 30 minutes later, the whole entire pot stock market goes down 60% in one shot. Could you imagine if pot stocks went down 60% in, a, in an afternoon from like 1230 to four? Do you see my face? No one else can see my face, but I'm yeah. dying right now from the story. Yeah. So now my 75 became 29 at the end of the day. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I, I had so much money. And I really remember, I was like, that was so stupid. I could have done this. I could have, you know, and I was like, well, you did tweet the warning, right. you know? And, How and many then, followers did you have at that point? I had less than 500. Right. You know, and engaged, I guess. And, but I, you know, I was also looking at the sector so hard. So I had a, a pretty good idea of like what companies um, had the right following um, to, to bounce. So, you know, I, and I was a creative writing major in college. So I was just looked at it as like, okay, well, you did tweet the warning. There's something in that. So I posted the tweet on some message board and was like, did you guys see what this wolf guy said? Right. And that's it. And I just let it take on a life of its own. And then it was all of a sudden, oh, I hear he works for a hedge fund. And all of a sudden, like this mythology was starting to build. And then people are asking me on Twitter, what do you think? What do you think? I'm like, I think this one will bounce. I think this one will bounce. I think this one will bounce. And what I did with that 29,000, it started to go back up and it got back to like 40 and I sold the position. And then I broke it up into the three companies that I thought were going to move. And all of a sudden it just started, it starts moving. I start looking um, at other companies and I'm just kind of like, man, it's still so hard to do this. So then I started tweeting because my following got bigger. Um, hey, does anybody live in Colorado? You know, like close to here. I'll send you a hundred bucks on PayPal if you can go and see if this is a real company or a PO box. And people started to do it. So all of a sudden, you know, I had boots on the ground, like doing my intelligence and they would, some would come back that it's just a PO box. There was no lights or it's an, an empty office, no lights on. And, you know, it was really helpful to people in the, in the space because, you know, all of a sudden it was all pot stocks, you know, and at the time I started looking. And then on top of that, I started looking for companies that, where it had hyperinflated market caps and then companies that nobody had heard of that were doing the exact same thing, you know, and were also penny stocks. So I started to identify companies at like a penny um, that were making, you know, three times the revenue of a company that had $150 million market cap. Wow. And, uh, you know, and I started, I started to dub these unicorns and, you know, it, it just kind of exploded 
And from the period of like January 1st to April 1st, my account went from, you know, call it 10 to 660. Wow. That's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, that's how kind of the wolf thing started. And I was anonymous for, for so long. So I was able to, to say, you know, really what I wanted to say. And only a, a handful of people really knew who I was. And, you know, I made the mistake or, you know, I went to a conference and then the CEO knew who I was. And then I was like, this company is a scam. You know, I was like, yeah. and the way that I realized it was a scam was from my construction background because they said, oh, we got to do this. It's going to be the biggest operation in Canada. And I'm like, this is how much cash they have. And they have to dig up this, you know, they have to do like, you know, wastewater, electric, they have to do all this stuff. I was like, there's no way they can get this done with just this amount of money. And the time frame that they're talking, I was like, it doesn't work like that anywhere. And uh, that company, that CEO ended up outing me. Um, and this is, a, you know, uh, further down the line. And it ended up like the company ended up being a scam. Um, and Twitter just kind of got crazy. Um, so I started this thing called wolfofweedstreet.com. And it was really successful. It was just, you know, we would just talk about trades and like throughout the course of the day and, you know, and kind of share our intel. Um, the day I turned that site on, all of a sudden, you know, this is there's like 90 grand in my PayPal. And at the time I'm like, this is crazy. So we did that for a couple months. Um, and by, you know, post April 1st, we started to go into a re like the bubble, the bubble burst. Right. Um, but there was still such a need for information. Um, and I was smart enough to take a lot of that money. Um, I gave some of it back, uh, obviously. But I took a lot of that money and then started to look at, at different ways, um, you know, different needs that weren't necessarily involved with the public markets. And at this time, um, because I had such a big audience on Twitter and then, you know, even my free subscribers on Wolf of Weed Street, um, myself and two other people purchased uh, MarijuanaStocks.com which was that first site. Ah, that's amazing. I yeah, love, so I love that full, full circle. Full circle. Stuff. I love that. I had like a, serious, a similar experience when I first started out, there was like another like PR marketing firm. And I was like, she's got it. She's got it going on. Oh my God. Like so freaked out. And then like, she wanted us to acquire her a few years later, you know, like those like full circle yeah. moments where you're like, okay, like I was onto something. I stayed true to my course. It's the best. So my question to you is, so like two very creative things I'm ready. I'm hearing right now. So obviously like, because you had that background, you were able to identify like from like that one company that this was like a total scam. And then I love the idea of you had like boots on the ground, but like it was such a wild west back then, not that it's not still a bit of the wild west. Like how did you identify like what was real and what was not? Like, you know, those were two like pretty cool things you did, but there was a large landscape. You said you looked at the ancillary, you looked at the plan touching, like how did you assess? Well, <laughs> I developed, you know, just kind of, you know, the, the attitude of the wolf at that time was just, just kind of no holds barred. Like you've got one chance to screw me. Right. And I was looking at everything like that, but it was still really tough because there were a lot of things that I didn't know. I didn't know about like toxic debt and, you know, a, a lot of things. The one thing I did know was if you're up a lot of money, you take that money, right. Cause there'll always be something else to invest in. Right. But for the most part, a lot of what I was doing was, you know, I, I ended up, 
you know, once I got much bigger and then all of a sudden had a lot of time, I would go and fly out myself and go take, take tours of, of companies. Um, you know, there was some down here, like, especially in like the vaporizer world, cause that was big. Um, and just kind of get an understanding for how it worked, but really get a sense of the management. Um, and you could kind of, you know, you, you meet some of these guys and, you know, they, they're like, oh yeah, you know, it, so it's simple. If, if a company ever said something like, oh yeah, this is going to go here. I'm just kind of like, one, you shouldn't be telling me this. Two, I'm like, there's, there's no way, like the, the math just doesn't work out. Um, you know, another way of doing it was just typing uh, the CEO's name into Google and just writing fraud right? and seeing what comes up. And you'd be shocked by how simple that is. Um, and it's a step that, you know, most people don't take, you know, and I was always like, look, I, you know, if there's better information out there, I'd, I'd love to have it, you know, use this information that I'm giving you and cross-reference it with your own. Um, but yeah, it, it really was a crapshoot at this time. And, and we were so, so underdeveloped that, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of knew like, all right, the, the U.S. market is nowhere near where it's going to need to be. Um, and then around that time, you know, once we started to go into like 2016 and the election uh, was happening, um, we made a decision with MarijuanaStocks.com to not take on any U.S. clients um, and just focus all of our um, attention on Canada which ended up just being a, a perfect move. Um, and then the same, you know, the same things that I did before, I was just doing, a, you know, now at like a bigger scale, like lots of traveling, lots of meetings, people would come in, and meet with me. And, you know, at the end of the day, and I still think about this, um, no matter what company I invest in, you know, at some point that company will probably be the villain. You know, right. no matter how good it is, there's there's always going to be something that happens. Um, and of course, that's, you know, that's relative to who you are. Right. Or what you're doing, you know, also depending on when you buy it, like, you know, for take what's going on now in the space. Everybody was in this euphoric um, mindset that they can't lose, you know, because the MSOs were, were, you know, just becoming printing money and the fundamentals were just increasing, you know, getting better and better and better. Um, you know, like you look at the person that takes a position in something like Cureleaf at 18 and then it drops to 14. Well, you know, now Cureleaf is the, oh, it's a crap company. But the reality is, is that they just kind of don't understand the function of the market right. um, and how pot stocks have stayed within this historic seasonality, you know, since 2014. Um, and the problem is that a lot of the people on, you know, that a lot of these guys and girls, uh, you know, look to for information. Yeah, they'll post, you know, oh, look at this article. So, you know, uh, Illinois did this in monthly sales, like great. But they don't give anything actionable. You know, it's, you've got too many cheerleaders and you can't be just a cheerleader um, in this space. 
you know, That's what I love about you. you like really keep it real. Like you're enthusiastic about things, but you're just going to call it how you see it. Right. Yeah. And, and I have no problem just kind of putting, you know, making predictions or saying what I think something is going to do um, mainly because I don't think anybody knows the price history uh, better than these companies than me. I, you know, I don't care if you're an analyst at, you know, Stifle or Raymond James or wherever, they're never going to understand the, the psychology um, and the sentiment of the retail investors um, better than me, which is why, you know, I'll, I think that I'll beat them every time, you know, in, in returns, you know, yearly. Um, and able to just kind of call things out way ahead of time, you know, and I've taken a lot of heat for, for some of those things. I, I mean, look, I'm the biggest bull in cannabis in 2018, you know, I, I was, I was in Spain with my family and it was October hmm. and, you know, I was like, this is the top. I was like, this is the top. And I exited 80% of my positions and then traded another 20%. Um, into March and that last 20% in March of 2019, I was like, I'm out, I'm getting out and I'm going short. And, and the amount of shit that I took every, Oh, you know, your, your time is over. Um, you're, you're stupid, which is fine. Cause I call people stupid all the time. <laughs> um, you know, it's the market so much more developed and then the market drops 60%. And then, you know, and I'd been sticking to this model of volume drops from March to the summer for years. And I fully anticipated getting back in in the summer. And now I was looking at things where I'm like, wow, I could buy three times the position of this company with free money because of what I took out in October and what I took out in March. And I'm like, I can't really... I'm like, I don't see it. I'm like, the sentiment isn't matching up. And I go, and I think that there's bias because of, uh, you know, some of these positions made me a lot of money. So what I did was I, I hired a quantitative analyst and I was like, give me a breakdown. I'm like, I want a comparison of, you know, uh, these U.S. states and what's going on in Canada. I want the, you know, I want to understand the dispensary counts. I want to understand um, you know, all this high level data. And uh, he flipped it to me and, and he's already in the space um, doing REITs. And, you know, and it, and it cost me a little bit of money. But when I looked at it, I was like, and this is uh, September. I was like, there's no 2019? way. 2019. Right, right. I was like, I, I can't get back. I'm like, I can't get back in. I was right. like, there's no way. I'll, I'll trade it, you know, I'll trade the options and stuff like that. But I'm like, I, I can't deploy money. And that month it ends up dropping, you know, another 20%. Things got even worse. Um, I didn't, very, very depressing fall. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I see all of these guys that have funds and, you know, manage money for uh, different groups of people that are supposed to be, you know, experts you know, they're the advisors and, you know, they, all this stuff. And they rode 2019 in, into the gutter. And I'm like, how do you do that when you're managing somebody else's money? Like, it's crazy. And now, you know, everything's back up and they, you know, they've kind of, they, their ass got saved a little, 
but they're still repeating the same mistakes. You know, I, I mean, and, you know, I've taken the time and, and look, you know, I'll put the warnings out there. I did, you know, when we started doing those clubhouses early and it's, you know, January, February, I go, look, the, the market's going to pull back in March. I was like, it, it's going to happen. I, and I'm like, and we're going to get a little bit of a pop at the end of April. And I go, and then that pop is going to go down. Everything's gone to plan. You know, like for the people listening, just, you know, like a really simple piece of advice is if any pot stock you're in in February hits an all-time high, take 30% of your position off the table and then just wait. You know, wait till June, July, you know, when the volume, you know, or if, if it gets to a point where it's like you can't miss and you're using, you know, uh, what the market's given you, um, you know, percentage wise. So like for me, you know, uh, Cure Leaf, Green Thumb, um, Cresco, you know, the three of my uh, bigger positions all hit, you know, uh, those highs in, uh, in February. Yeah. So just to take a step back. So you, you exited out of the positions, right? In, in, in 2019. Right. So, like so when did you like start making these big bets on the USMSOs? Right. And also it's like, what's, what was like, I mean, obviously the fundamentals is the answer, but like, what was that compelling case for you? Okay. Now I'm ready to get back in. Now I feel like this is where I want to go with things. Like, like what was that moment for you? Yeah. Um, you said, okay. I feel confident. Let's do this. Yeah, the, the compelling case was, and, and, you know, and some people ask, well, why didn't you do it in like March when these things were at, you know, these lows, right? Um, and, you know, the reason there, and I think this is good for people to understand, like the whole market was at lows and it's a safer bet to, you know, to get into some of these technology companies that have dividends. Um, and it just makes more sense on, on, a, on a longer term. And then rolled out those profits into you know bigger positions um, you know for the cannabis space. But what what made it was you know for the MSOs um, the unlock periods for a lot of them. Okay, right. and some I got completely wrong. Like I got truly completely wrong. You know, uh, I thought it would pull back. But then I all of a sudden, I, I took a deeper dive and I, I realized that it's, you know, 67% ownership by the founders. And I'm like, damn, this, this thing's not going to pull back. Um, and I caught a lot of heat as, as I should have. But, you know, I've always maintained like this is a great company. Um, and then just seeing that they executed for at least three quarters in a row and it wasn't a blip. And, you know, coronavirus um, showed that the demand was there. Obviously, I was tracking... Um, the monthly and weekly sales, uh, state, uh, state to state. And, you know, and then we're, we're going, and also we're going into an election year. And, you know, I mean, my hope was for, for Democrats, but then as we started this, as I started to see the data, you know, I could come in and, and feel a little bit more confident and get bigger and bigger positions. Um, but the way that I, I hedge, just in case I'm wrong is I stay, I actively manage the position the entire time. I'm right. not somebody that's just going to buy something and say, Oh, well, I'm going to hold this for five years this is a five-year investment. Uh, I think that that's the silliest thing um, for people in the cannabis space, because, you know, just based off of how they trade, 
in, you know, from a historical standpoint, if something goes to 18 and then it drops 20% and you sell at 18, you're going to get those shares 20% less right. and you're going to be able to buy more with house money. Right. And, and, you know, I always keep that cycle going, um, you know, throughout the course of not just pot stocks, but, but any investment. So, so yeah, I mean, that was it. And, and, you know, and I, I have a really good sense of how it's just going to play out because we already have the model. You know, we saw what happened in 2016 with Canada, you know, first they went medical and then they went rec and we know exactly how it played out. You know, people say, oh, I want legalization today. No, you don't. You want to drag it out. You want each of these things slowly. You know, when safe banking um, was voted on, everybody's like, well, why don't they pass it now? I'm like, don't pass it now. I go, pass it in August, pass it in, in late July when the volume coming comes back, right. you know, when people don't use it as an opportunity to get out. So, right. you know. Yeah, so, you know, in terms of like, you know, being actually managing and trading it, I think that, you know, a lot of people are holding right now because there's a lot of excitement around the US MSOs. And, you know, we talk about this sometimes the hashtag MSO gang movement, like there's a lot of exuberance in the market, right? Yeah. So but I still think you do believe that US MSOs are uniquely positioned to maintain their growth trajectory over time, right? Like this is definitely- yeah. Of course, you know, and I think that there's going to be winners and losers and there's going to put the, you know, ultimately when legalization happens, there's going to be a consolidation and then it becomes um, not just an execution story, uh, which they're, you know, the main ones are all executing, but then it's going to become, well, what do you do once, um, you know, flour becomes commoditized and then it becomes a CPG story. And then it's like, okay, well, what then after that? Well, then you're starting to look at pharma and a bunch of other things and who's best placed to, to do that and who's planting flags now all over that, you know, when legalization happens, their network is just going to be so strong. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it comes down to like, you know, five or six companies and the drop off after the top three is still significant. So I think you're going to see some, some M&A there. But at the end of the day, um, your total addressable market is increasing, you know, the demographics um, that a lot of people never thought were going to be the, the fastest movers are like, you know, 55 and over. Um, the job creation is there. And so you know that there's going to be a lot of infrastructure uh, that's going to be needed um, to nurture this industry. But on top of that, you've got an illicit market, which is still pumping out billions and billions. It's still bigger than the legal market. And, and that changes. So, you know, nobody's going to just stop smoking weed. Nobody's going to, you know, like now that they're studying it or that they're allowing uh, universities to do it. First off, they, they said this in 2016, 2017. Oh, we're going to. And now like the first universe, it, it, now it's happening. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm bullish on it because you know, from just a fundamental standpoint, you know, and if you exclude any bias, where else are you going to find this type of growth? You know, where else are you going to find an industry where you can actually see what's going on weekly and monthly and feel confident that things are improving, you know, and people, people like to harp on, on price, 
like all oh, the prices, oh, what's going on? I, I mean, you have no idea. I, I best bet you could imagine, you know, the types of messages that I get from people, like just panicked. <sighs> I'm like, nothing, nothing has changed. And I was like, this is your first, I'm, I'm like, how long, you know, one of the first questions I'll ask is, how long have you been invested in pot stocks? And they're like, oh, I started in February. I was like, okay. Oh so you came in right, right at the at top. top. Right, yeah. You're going to be freaked out. Like, calm yeah. down. Yeah, like, I get it. But you also have to realize, like, these companies are up, you know, two, three, four, five hundred percent. Like my daughter, that. my daughter set up her, my eight-year-old daughter, my 10-year-old daughter set up their E-Trade accounts in February, right? So, because, like, right. they were watching what's happening. And my poor Dahlia, 10, eight years old, watched, she bought in February, and she just cries. <laughs> she wakes up, <laughs> checks her E-Trade in the morning. I'm like, Dahlia, it's okay, sweetie. You know, you'll be all right. Yeah, by, by the <laughs> day. she can hold. She can hold. She's got a long time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. So, you yeah. know, and-, and At that point, though, that like you're talking about, like, you know, what's going to be supporting the industry, right? So- uh, like from where you're sitting, and I know like we talk a lot about the MSOs that like is a lot of the conversation, but there are like investment opportunities outside of the MSOs that you think retail or institutional investors are currently sleeping on. And like also, are there potential dark horses from your vantage point, right? Because like that's where a lot of the conversation is happening. Like what else are you looking at, if anything? And, and what do you, you know, what do you have your eye on? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at areas where a lot of people don't want to look. Um, you know, and, you know, this is something that I, I just kind of do in general, um, because, you know, it's not where this company or where this niche of the sector is right now. It's, you know, where do you think it's going to be in six months? And, you know, the new investor is really just looking for that sugar high, you know, everybody wants to buy something and see it go up and, you know, that's your trader. Right. An investor. And I can tell and everybody thinks that I'm a trader. You know, I'm a manager of my long positions, but it's the ideas, these long term ideas that are going to pay you the most. So, you know, one of the areas that I'm looking at is is Europe. And I've been one of the biggest critics of Europe, especially when it comes to the Canadian companies, um, you know, when they start talking about it, because they were buying these companies for five times what their value is now, right. you know, two years ago, just because they, they got a lot of cheap money. Right. And now they're all carrying, you know, billions in, in write downs and Europe, you know, much like the United States, you know, especially after COVID um, is going to need to create new industries and, and pump new, new money into that system. Right. So, you know, some of the things that I look at are, so like, okay, I'll give you an example. I invested in a company recently. I'm, I'm not, I won't give the name. Um, and it's in Germany. Okay. And it's a retailer. Okay. It, they do not sell cannabis, right? There's 23 locations right now and they sell all CBD products, but they get hundred people in the store in each store a day. Um, and it's a franchise model. So people like, you know, and I showed it a couple and they're like, Oh, it's a CBD company. I'm like, look, I hate CBD. I was like, you're not looking at it the right way. I go, I don't look at Tesla as a car company. I look at Tesla as a technology and, and battery company. That's why the valuation is what it is. They're like, well, so how do you see this? I'm like, I think of this as like your 
it's customer acquisition. So the CBD, it's already, it already makes money. You know, the, their franchise model already makes money and their overhead is very low. They get royalty and, you know, at 50 stores, they're making like a million euro a month profit. Okay. Everything's paid and it's easily scalable. Okay. Right. At some point, Germany, Spain, Italy are going to sell cannabis. You know, they're behind, maybe they're two, three years behind, but inevitably it'll happen. Okay. Especially if it happens in the United States, the United States goes, well, then, you know, everybody goes except for like China or, you know, Indonesia where they'll kill you. But it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you've got to take that sort of risk, but you don't also just take the risk off of, you know, because you're like, okay, I get the idea. You know, it, a lot of things have to, to fall into place. You know, you've got to see that the founders are invested, that the capital structure is geared towards their success and not, you know, a quick return to the bankers um, and that it can make money and sustain itself for years when this is while this is happening. So, you know, those are the types of investments that I look at, you know, obviously um, information is key. You know, there's a lot of people that try and do it. And, you know, it's also a really tough industry. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't think I'm gonna invest in any websites anytime soon or, or build any new ones. But, you know, there's, there's always gonna be something. I think, look, you know, delivery is gonna be big, but it's not gonna be big for everybody, right? You know, I, I see what Ease is gonna try and go public. Uber is gonna crush them. You know, it's, you know, uh, that, that should have been done years ago, but there is going to be some, some niche sectors, you know, that are for certain geographies that are going to be, you know, uh, fruitful for small businesses, you know, take in New York, you've got to deliver weed in New York. If you, if you don't have delivery for cannabis in New York, you're done. There's, 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 you know, there's too many people. And the people that are doing it illegally, they'll, they'll just flip, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll leave the dark side and, and come to the light. Right. Um, and they're thinking about it because I I'd be lying to say, I didn't know people that weren't on that other side of the line. And, you know, they're in California and they're, you know, they're here and they're there, but they're also looking at it as, Hey, you know, this is the time to, to go legit. Right. Yeah. And, you know, just I want to talk about technology. Um, I, I do want to ask you about this because, you know, we're, we're recording this in the beginning of June. And, you know, one of the biggest piece of news this week was Amazon coming out in support of the MORE Act. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, A, how did your investor base respond to this news? And also, like, I know you're not a mind reader, but if you can make an educated guess, which you're very good at. How do you think like the major e-commerce, we're just talking about delivery e-commerce, like Amazon will leverage legalization to their advantage or will they not? Like what, like, what are you seeing in that news? Does it mean anything? Like, yeah, like, I mean, you can't find like employment right now. Like people don't want to work. So like they all, you know, they can't like have drug testing as part of like the process now. Like, what do you make of all this? Um, I, look, I think Jeff Bezos uh, is uh, a futurist at heart. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's a negative 
And if at some point, and the guy's got hundreds of lobbyists in DC, you know, now that we're talking about delivery, if all of a sudden they, the US adopts a system similar to Canada where you can do it through the mail and Amazon can come up with a system where, cause they already have the infrastructure to, to do it similar to Canada, you know, keep kids from getting it. And, you know, they'll find a way through their technology and their platform and their metadata mm-hmm. to go after all of these people, in which case, everybody's, you know, that's doing delivery is screwed. So if there's a way for them to make money, they'll do it. And that's going to be a huge industry. Um, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Obviously, you're going to need a bunch of things to happen, but they're a company that is going to be around in 10 years. You know, I can say, I can say that. So it's positive. I think people look at it looking at it from the uh, perspective like, oh, Amazon's going to deliver weed are looking at it the wrong way. You yeah. should be looking at it as Amazon is going to lobby on behalf of cannabis um, for their, to protect uh, the infrastructure that they have. And in the, and the gravy for them or the cherry on top is if things could progress enough where they can be delivering cannabis, you know, and I, I do want to talk about um, your investor base in, in a second. So I'm just going to leave it at. So how did like, your base respond to the news? Like, what was the fodder? Like, was there excitement? Were people like asking questions? Like, what was like the sentiment among your, among your followers when this came out? Because there was just like a lot of buzz in the media. Obviously, we tracked that. Saw a lot of, you know, Twitter action around it or like yeah. nothing. Like, like, what was it like? You know, it's a lot of hopium, right? <laughs> like and, that. Never heard that before. That's a good one. You know, Oh, the, the sector is going to rip. You know, I was getting a lot of that, like, oh, I'm buying this, I'm buying that. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, I, it didn't change anything for me. It right. didn't change anything for me. It's kind of like, all right, you know, when New York went legal, I'm like, it's great news. Doesn't do anything for me yet. You know, we're not going to see a gram of weed um, in New York sold recreationally this year. Right. You know, it's like, this is good. You know, it's a good headline. It's good for, it's good for, you know, um, pumping up consensus, like, oh, you know, like if Amazon's doing it, like maybe there's, you know, the the biggest employer, it's a great headline, make no mistake. But, you know, at the end of the day, let's worry about 280E, let's work about, let's worry about safe banking and, you know, uh, access to capital markets for the MSOs. So let's not get, you know, it's a shiny object basically. And, you know, in, in my experience, if you chase shiny objects, you're going to end up, you know, getting eaten by a shark. I I totally uh, hear that. I I think that way too, like just be laser focused, right? Don't chase the shiny objects, but yeah. So I did want to touch on this. We haven't spoken about yet because it's, it's super interesting. So Obviously, there's been this unprecedented growth in consumer demand, you know, as states transition to adult use. And you've had over like, is this right, 100,000 subscribers on the investor platform of Weed Street? Is that right? I had at one point like 300,000. What'd you do? 
Hmm? <laughs> I'm saying that's a lot. But how have you seen the demand reflected among the investor community, right? Yeah, so, it, it, you know, it, there's it, consumer growth. Is there a correlation? Like when you, when we're hearing all, you know, when we're seeing, you know, the ship, more people buying, you know, we're seeing the state's numbers. Like how does that like affect, you know, your investor community or seeing more people pour in as it's becoming more mainstream? Like how's growth been? You know, like, as far as... As far as data, you know, we, you know, so I still own MarijuanaStocks.com, which um, till basically January of 2020, uh, we use for investor relations. And, and we stopped doing investor relations basically November of 2019. Um, right. We just kind of saw the writing on the wall um, with everything. Um, but you know, from a data uh, perspective, you know, we're still getting like 500 to 750 uh, unique subscribers, you know, double opt-in um, subscribers, you know, and it's funny because you can see where, you know, uh, where the sector is going, you know, from uh, a growth, you know, from like a price perspective by that data. Okay, so we, we, we know that from July till February, it's, you know, we're, we're getting a thousand. And then in March, it starts to drop off, you know. And, you know, there are little things like that, like looking at Google Trends, which a lot of people will never think about doing, um, that'll tell you a lot just kind of about the sentiment. But um, we haven't hit that, that point where, everything, you know, I, look, we're going to go through another crazy, like, oh, it, we're going to the moon, it, you know, come September and August. Like, I know that that's going to happen. But for right now, look, it's people are, are, are optimistic. I know that the people that I deal with on a daily basis, you know, through a true trading group, they're positioned properly because they took steps in February to protect their positions and they've got capital to deploy. Whereas a lot of people just watched it go up and then they just kept buying, kept buying. They were never taking profit. And then, you know, they get a little bit of dip and then they buy a little bit, they buy more, dips more, and then they run out of powder, right. um, which is, you know, I, and I'm very critical of pot stock investors. And this is why I always say like pot stock investors are some of the dumbest investors and traders out there. And it's because they just think everything's just going to skyrocket, you know, and they don't take stuff off the table for a rainy day. So, yeah, you know, I'm still. But as it's maturing, like are, like the industry, are you are you seeing a shift in investor demographics? Like, are you seeing like a more intelligent investor come into the space from your perspective? Like, has it like where are we now in, in, in this whole like life cycle? It's like this. It's really simple. You've got the people that have gone through, have been in the trenches, right? These are the people that, that went through 2016 to 2019, all right? You don't have as many people that went from 2013 to 2014. Right. Okay? Like, those are the OGs. Right. Right? When GW Pharma was seven bucks, like those type investors. Right. Um, so, you... You know, when they do eventually come in, there's always going to be more of them. Okay. Right. It's like when that's just kind of how the market works. If you look at the acquisition of people for Robinhood, okay, when they came in, you know, like you've got a bunch of, you got all these Robinhood traders that 
they can't even buy the MSOs, right? Right. So it always comes down to very naive people um, to the space. They tell their friend and then they tell a friend and then they tell a friend and then the last two people get blown up somewhere. Right. By chasing um, something or not understanding it. So there's always, there's the people that stay, right? And then, but there's always going to be more people that, that uh, tip the scales to stupidity. And that's the problem. I hear that. So, you know, we just talked about, you know, people have been through 2013, 2014. So you've been part of this world for almost a decade, right? So what, like, just, you know, more like a macro level, what surprised you the most about this industry has taken shape over the past 10 years, like from your vantage point? Um, I guess that it's the adoption process by, I guess, smart money. It, it just came much later, you know, where they couldn't read the tea leaves before, you know, the experts couldn't read the tea leaves before right. that, you know, um, that, that's, that's been a surprise. Um, and that they, those people, the institutional money and everything hasn't lobbied on behalf of the U.S. companies right. so that they can be on major exchanges um, right. because, you know, everybody likes growth and, you know, most of these people are, are, are users in some capacity. They understand, they understand the product um, and they can see the numbers coming out and they see that it's growing and it's expanding yet. Um, you know, a lot of like, I, I talk to, to guys at funds, you know, all the time and it still shocks me that somebody will ask me, they'll be like, Hey, I, I just bought some Aurora. What do you think? And I'm like, dude, do you, do you even follow me on Twitter? Oh my God. You know, like, and, and that's also crazy, you know, part is that you've got managers um, you know, people that manage money, sticking people in absolute garbage. Yeah. Um, and, and that will always be the thing that boggles my mind the most. You know? Yeah. And so, like, if, you th- if you're looking you know, to the future, like, so what do you think, like, how do you think it's actually going to take shape, right? Or what do you hope it's going to look like in 10 years? Like, um, you know, what does time frame look like for you? I mean... In 10 years, I hope to have passed my Twitter handle to my son and right. let, him, let him be the wolf. Right. If he wants to be, he, he might not want to be. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, it's going to be uh, consumer packaged goods um, and, uh, you know, uh, innovations in, uh, the, you know, in medicine for a bunch of things that we know that the endocannabinoids uh, help, you know, I, obviously I hope that this thing is, you know, schedule three, um, that it's decriminalized and, you know, that's the hope, but, you know, I'd like to see, uh, you know, like the, the M&Ms or, you know, of cannabis, I'd like to see like the Coca-Cola of cannabis. And, and, um, I would just like to see it bigger than a bunch of industries that have been very destructive. Um, and that would be, you know, if I could have it my way, the hope, um, but we'll see, you know, at the end of the day, like as much as I, I like that 
that story and as much as of an idealist as I am, I'm also, you know, logical in, in the sense that there are interests out there that want nothing more than none of that to happen. Right. You, right. And, and they've just got more money to lobby. Right. Um, you know, I mean, if, if I could have one wish, you know, if, if you were like, Jason, I'm actually a genie. It'd be so great if I was. Let me grant you one wish. Yes, what is it? Give it to me. Let's go. I, I wish. I wish that topics like the legalization of cannabis could be voted on by the actual people, right. by the actual constituents of the country, and not, um, you know, dependent on people that are. Um, getting money from, you know, the pharma lobby, the alcohol lobby, the prison lobby, and things like that. Um, you know, I mean, that, that would be my wish, because at the end of the day, you, you know, like the will of the people will be answered, and it's just not happening right now. Right. And then also, just like to wrap, last question, what's actually like really excites you about the industry? Like, what is like, like, what really gets you jazzed? What really gets me jazzed? Um, Aside from this podcast today. Of yeah. Um, of course. I don't know. Like, I'm kind of, I don't know if I really get jazzed about anything, but I'm also not, uh, you know, I'm, I don't get depressed about anything. You're having a good time doing this. You are. I have a great time doing it. You know, like I... I get to work from home. I get to meet a lot of interesting people. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that, honestly, the thing that gets me jazzed about this industry, and this is going to sound so old, Manny, is that I've seen people come up in it so early. And maybe I've had a conversation with them really early or just kind of, you know, given them some, some insight that they never had. And then you see them progress a couple years later and, you know, and, and, and now they're operators. Um, so it, it does make me jazz to see uh, that, you know, at some level um, there will be some kind of uh, Wolf of Weed Street legacy in cannabis um, from uh, capital markets and, you know, just, within the industry. I mean, that, that, that psychs me up because I don't need money. Uh, I'm very, and I'm very conservative. I'm not like, you know, Lambos. And I mean, you see, I spend most of my money on star Wars stuff. Um, but, uh, in my closet right now, I spend a lot of money on jeans, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, you know, we, we kind of talked about this and, you know, uh, the other day and yeah, I, I it gets me jazzed to see like, the entrepreneurs uh, sticking with it, yeah. you know, the, the, the potrepreneurs, as I call them. And yeah, like, you know, eventually one day, you know, when, when they tell this story, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that I know that are going to be included in this and, um, you know, and some are going to like us and some are going to think that we didn't deserve it. But at the end of the day, like, you're not going to be able to take away from us you know, this point in history. Um, and the beauty of that 
is that we're all just kind of normal people that just kind of found our way into this space um, and made the most of it. And, you know, we, we were able to take the risk and, uh, and just stick with it. So, yeah, that's it's my favorite freaking part of this whole thing. It's like all the people like, you know, that you get to know and you become friendly with and they're just like all trying to just do something and having a good time doing it and learn and learn from each other. Like, I feel like that is like the magic of this industry. It is. Yeah, like, like the people. The characters the, are like, I wish I didn't know you, but the ones that I do know and that I've connected with, like it makes it like so much fun, right? It, it, it really does make it so much fun. And, you know, uh, the stories um, are just incredible, yeah. you know? Just it's like- wild shit, as they say. <laughs> the, like stuff that would blow people's minds. You know, and one day it'll all, you know, some, you know, maybe Ben Mesrick, does, I keep getting on him. I'm like, when are you going to write the pot stock book? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, Jason, this is awesome. Thank you so much. I, we, we get to, we get to, you know, DM each other a time, but to actually get a chance to chat with you and look at you and, and hear the story. Like, by the way, I'm usually like, try to like get through these podcasts. We went almost all the way to the hour, which means it was a great conversation. I like learned so much from you. Hopefully you'll come back again. Yeah, for sure, of course. Great, awesome, but thanks so much for joining us today. You're very welcome, Rosie, thank you for having me. <laughs>